listening to the World Watch Weekly Podcast by Open Doors Canada. The goal of this podcast is to help you pray for your persecuted family. Since 1955, when Brother Andrew went behind the Iron Curtain for the first time, Open Doors has been strengthening Christians where faith costs the most. For more information about Open Doors Canada or the World Watch List, you can visit our website at opendoorscanada.org. Enjoy today's episode. Good morning, everybody, and welcome back to the World Watch Weekly Podcast with Open Doors Canada. I'm Jared. It's lovely to have you with me again. Today is somewhat low-key. I've got my Bible. I've got my cup of coffee here this morning. We're going to dive into the Word and continue our little mini-series on the theology behind persecution and the theology behind what we do at Open Doors. Maybe this is the first podcast you've listened to from Open Doors, so a little bit of a refresher if you're just jumping into this. Open Doors Canada is an organization that strengthens and supports the persecuted church worldwide. It's an international organization, Open Doors International, and we're the Canadian branch. And we have the opportunity to connect Canadian churches with their persecuted family worldwide through providing Bibles, through providing pastoral training, um, uh, business help for our persecuted family when they lose out on jobs. Perhaps we support widows uh, who are suffering for their faith, things like that. Our goal is to strengthen and support our brothers and sisters who live in places where faith costs the most. In the last few episodes of the podcast, we've been talking about the theology behind why we do that and the theology about how we understand what persecution is and how we look at it. We started out talking about understanding persecution from the perspective of a Canadian in the 21st century. And we talked about listening to the persecuted church and how important it is to listen to our brothers and sisters for whom following Jesus is not a guarantee. It's not something that they can just take for granted every day the way you and I probably can in Canada, depending on where you're listening from. We're continuing that series today after talking about understanding the persecuted church, talking about listening to the persecuted church. Today, I want to talk about praying for the persecuted church. Prayer is at the core of what Open Doors does. You might be familiar with God's smuggler, Brother Andrew. He's the founder of Open Doors, and prayer informed his whole life. You see, he began Open Doors ministry when he started smuggling Bibles behind the Iron Curtain into communist Europe in the 1950s. He went from his home in the Netherlands to places like Russia and Yugoslavia and East Germany and other places uh, in that area, bringing Bibles in those languages to churches who didn't have access to their own. And he did this by prayer. It's one of my favorite stories, really. I'll tell you really quick. Brother Andrew would go across the border into, uh, let's say, the Soviet Union with a Volkswagen Beetle full of Bibles in the language of the people he was visiting. And he would come up to the border, the Bibles right there in plain sight, knowing full well it was illegal, and he would rely on prayer. And he would pray what's called the smuggler's prayer. And that was this, Lord, when you were on earth, you made blind eyes see. And today, I need you to make seeing eyes blind. That was the one line of prayer that he would whisper going into the border. The border guards would check the car, and he would go through free. It was a miracle, really, as there's no other way to explain it. Brother Andrew would often say that there's no door that is closed to us when we pray. You maybe can figure out where the name Open Doors has come from. My point is, Prayer is at the core of Open Doors ministry and has been for 60 plus years since Brother Andrew began the ministry. So today, when we connect with our persecuted family in China and Iran or Somalia or places like that, the number one thing we hear from them is, will you pray for us? 
A minute ago, I listed a whole bunch of ways that we try to help, like providing Bibles or training pastors. And all of that is important, but again, the number one thing we hear is, please pray for us. So at Open Doors Canada, what we want to do is connect with Christians across Canada from sea to sea and get them praying for our brothers and sisters around the world who suffer persecution. So with that introduction, I want to look at a passage of scripture that I think really illustrates why it's important that we do that. Prayer can you know, sometimes seem a little bit abstract. Thoughts and prayers is a phrase that gets thrown around a lot in North America. Thoughts and prayers for this and that. But I think prayer really can make a difference. And this is a story of a time when the church prayed for one of their own, and the result was a miracle. So I'm going to read from Acts 12. This is the story of the Apostle Peter being thrown in prison and what happened subsequently. This is Acts 12, starting in verse 1. About that time, Herod the king laid violent hands on some who belonged to the church. He killed James, the brother of John, with the sword. And when he saw that it pleased the Jews, he proceeded to arrest Peter also. This was during the days of unleavened bread. And when he had seized him, he put him in prison, delivering him over to four squads of soldiers to guard him, intending after the Passover to bring him out to the people. So Peter was kept in prison, but earnest prayer for him was made to God by the church. Now when Herod was about to bring him out, on that very night, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers, bound with two chains, and sentries before the door were guarding the prison. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood next to him, and a light shone in the cell. He struck Peter on the side and woke him, saying, Get up quickly. And the chains fell off his hands. The angel said to him, Dress yourself and put on your sandals. And he did so. And he said to him, Wrap your cloak around yourself and follow me. And he went out and followed him. He didn't know that what was being done by the angel was real, but thought he was seeing a vision. When they had passed the first and the second guard, they came to the iron gate leading out into the city. It opened for them of its own accord, and they went out and went along one street, and immediately the angel left him. When Peter came to himself, he said, Now I am sure that the Lord has sent his angel and rescued me from the hand of Herod and from all that the Jewish people were expecting. When he realized this, he went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, whose other name was Mark, where many were gathered together and were praying. And when he knocked at the door of the gateway, a servant girl named Rhoda came to answer. Recognizing Peter's voice, in her joy, she did not open the gate, but ran in and reported that Peter was standing at the gate. They said to her, you're out of your mind. But she kept insisting that it was so, and they kept saying, oh, it is his angel. But Peter continued knocking, and when they had opened, they saw him and were amazed. But motioning to them with his hand to be silent, he described to them how the Lord had brought him out of the prison. And he said, tell these things to James and to the brothers. Then he departed and went to another place. This is an incredible straight-up supernatural prison break story, and I love it. We're going to dive into a few different parts of this story, but I want to point out what I think is the key verse, at least for our purposes today, and that's verse 5, which says, Peter was kept in prison, but earnest prayer for him was made to God by the church. Peter, one of the foremost apostles at the time, was thrown in prison, and the church devoted themselves to praying for him. It's interesting to think about what must have been going through the mind of Peter at this time. You see, the passage says that this was the Feast of Unleavened Bread leading up to Passover, which interestingly is the same time that Jesus was arrested, some years before. I wonder 
what must have been going through Peter's head as he was lying there in the prison, thinking back to some years prior, almost to the day when Jesus was arrested. And at the time, Peter denied him three times. I think it must have been very easy to be tempted to give up what he had been arrested for. He had been arrested for preaching the gospel, and had Peter simply denied it once again, you have to think he might have received a lighter sentence or even been freed. And I wonder if Peter was thinking back to the time when the rooster crowed and later on Jesus forgave him for for his denial. And this time, Peter chose to stay the course and follow God. And for all he knew, it could have meant his death. Herod was planning to bring him out to the Passover, intending to put him to death, uh, it says in verse 4. I can imagine that Peter would have been lying there awake in this maximum security Roman prison, thinking ahead to the sentence that necessarily awaited him. Maybe he knew people were praying for him, maybe not. Either way, it must have been an anxiety-inducing time and a time of fear. When you think about what he was, uh, what kind of jail he was in, chained to soldiers, he was uh, under maximum security, like I say, guards outside. Sounds like there was an iron gate leading into it. And this brings me to my first point about praying for the persecuted church. You see, all of these obstacles put together, and the church still continued to pray for him. It says, like I say in verse 5, earnest prayer for Peter was made to God by the church. And later on in the passage, we see that that took the form of a group of believers coming together in the house of one of their own to pray communally for Peter. They prayed despite all the different obstacles. The guards, the government system in place, the fact that they were the the minority in terms of religion and in terms of uh, ethnicity in the Roman Empire, that is. And yet, they continued to pray. You know, at Open Doors, we work in a lot of countries where any obstacle you can imagine is in place. It might be a government system set up specifically to oppress Uh, minority religions, including Christianity. It might be geographic barriers. We have partners who go across rivers and across mountains just to reach communities of believers to encourage them. It's things like language barriers, and that goes all the way back to Brother Andrew, like I was talking about, bringing Bibles in people's own language, and we still do that to believers who don't have access to the written Word of God in their own tongue. Any obstacle you can think of is out there, and yet we believe that when we pray, all those obstacles mean nothing to God. God can work despite all odds, and that's the number one reason that we pray. It's interesting to go along in this chapter and see what happens when Peter is actually freed, because the angel comes to him. Peter assumes it's a dream. Rightfully so. I think I would too. I'd probably think I was hallucinating or something. He goes out into the streets and then suddenly realizes when he's all alone, oh, this is real. Suddenly the glory of the angel is gone. He's left alone in this dark street, middle of the night. And he realizes, I can just go. It's kind of a funny moment. And he heads to the home of Mary, mother of John Mark, and begins knocking at the door, saying, I'm here, I'm here, I'm freed. And the people don't believe him. It's so funny because a servant girl named Rhoda answers the door, is so excited to hear that their prayers have specifically been answered, comes back in, Peter's freed, Peter's freed, he's here. They're like, shh, we're praying for Peter. They assume it's his angel, his his ghost, his spirit. And Peter is meanwhile left outside. Are you going to let me in? Hello? I wonder how often we fall into the trap of praying for something that we don't expect God to do. And that can be 
in terms of praying for the persecuted church or really anything else. But like I say, God works despite all odds. Obstacles don't matter. How often do we pray still kind of thinking, probably won't happen? Seems like this is the trap that these dear believers fell into in this story. Of course, when they finally open the gate and see Peter there, they're corrected and Peter is able to tell them the story. But I wonder if they were shaken thinking, oh my goodness, God actually did what we were praying for. There is a brother who Open Doors has been praying for in the last number of years. His name is Nasser, Nasser Navarad Golsapath. And he is a Christian from Iran who was put in prison because he was attending a house church. Nasser was given a sentence of several years. He was separated from his family, put into prison, and Open Doors had a prayer campaign for him. You might even remember that. Last year in 2022, we had little postcards with Nasser's face and name on it and information on how you can be praying for him. Christians all across the world, including Canada, were praying for Nasser by name. And a little less than a year ago, Nasser was freed. No explanation. We still don't really know why, but he was given a pardon and he was freed and let out of prison. This is the kind of miracles that we can expect when we pray. And it's easy to pray for these people, pray for brothers like Nasser, pray for them by name, and yet it's a fleeting thought. In one ear and out the other, we say a prayer, but do we really expect God to work? I know I don't always. And this is the kind of thing that convicts me about that because God still can work. He works despite all odds. Obstacles don't matter. And when we pray, we can expect great things from God. Like in the story of Peter and like even today in the story of Nasser. There's a sister who we've been praying for for many, many years and her name is Leah Sherabu. If you followed Open Doors for any amount of time, you probably have heard her name. She's a young woman from Nigeria who is taken from her school by Boko Haram, along with a group of other girls. And while most of them were freed thanks to diplomatic efforts, Leah was kept back in captivity because Boko Haram knew she was a Christian. And when they, uh, when they offered to free her, they said, you have to renounce God. And 14-year-old Leah said, no. And she was kept in captivity, a slave for life. She remains a prisoner of Boko Haram today. She's 20 years old now. This beside me right here is actually a portrait of Leah, a copy of a picture that Open Doors Partners gifted to Leah's parents uh, on her birthday, on Leah's 20th birthday, which was earlier this year. We grieve with Leah's parents that they've lost their daughter for so many years. We have not stopped praying for her and we will not stop praying for her. Even though the miracle hasn't happened in Leah's life yet, we still believe that despite all the odds and all the obstacles, God can still do amazing things. That actually leads me to my last point from this passage that I think it's important to note. And this goes all the way back to verse uh, 2 of Acts 12. Uh, Herod laid violent hands on some who belonged to the church. He killed James, the brother of John, with the sword. And then when it saw that pleased the Jews, proceeded to arrest Peter also. Lost in the story of Peter's miraculous deliverance and escape is the fact that James died. James was one of Jesus' uh, core disciples, if you will, Peter, James, and John. And his death is given one verse in the New Testament. Killed by the sword, presumably beheaded by Herod and the authorities. You got to assume that if there was any kind of arrest or uh, trial leading up to the execution, that 
the church was earnestly praying to God for James too, and that prayer wasn't answered. In fact, I wonder if that's half the reason they were so surprised when their prayer for Peter was answered, because they had been doing this just a little while ago for their brother James, and James died. You see, the last point I want to make, friends, is that we continue to pray even when our prayers aren't answered. Leah Sherubu remains alive. We continue to pray for her. We continue to lift her up before God. There's any number of cases that we've heard of, of brothers and sisters around the world who haven't made it or whose suffering has not been alleviated in, in persecution. We continue to pray for them. We see stories like Nasser and we're inspired and we give God all the glory for things like that. But we keep praying even when, for some reason, all we get is silence. We keep praying despite all the odds. We pray knowing God can do great things, and we commit to praying even when we don't hear the answer that we want. There's a lot more that could be said about the idea of praying and hearing God's uh, silence as a response, but for this, uh, for this podcast episode, what I want to emphasize is the importance of lifting up our brothers and sisters who are persecuted for their faith. They want our prayers. They want your prayers. It is a joy for them to know that their brothers and sisters in Canada are praying for them. And I know that because they tell us. That is, again, the number one thing that Open Doors hears from our persecuted brothers and sisters. Please keep on praying. I hope that the story of Peter serves as an inspiring reminder to you the way it does to me on how God can work through the prayers of the church and how miracles can happen. We still see that today in stories like Nasser and others. Homayun and Sarah are an Iranian couple who were arrested as well, and they also had their sentence alleviated, and they were freed from prison just a couple months ago. That's another example of God working miracles through the prayers of his church. So I hope you'll keep praying. I hope that you'll partner with Open Doors in prayer, lifting up your brothers and sisters to God. Open Doors has a lot of resources that can help you to pray, I would personally recommend the monthly prayer calendar. You can go to opendoorscanada.org and download every month a prayer calendar with a specific request about uh, a person or maybe a country or a situation that's ongoing in the persecuted church every single day. You can print it out, put it on your fridge, or uh, download it to your phone, anything you want. Just a brief moment every day of prayer for the persecuted church. There's lots of other ways that you can be praying and head to our website to find that out. As always, I hope you subscribe to the podcast. Give us a follow on every social media platform at Open Doors Canada because we put prayer requests there too. Uh, we ask our supporters to be praying for the persecuted church. So follow us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, TikTok, everywhere uh, you are on social media to find out how you can be praying for your persecuted family. We'll be back soon with the last episode in this mini-series on the theology behind why we support the persecuted church. I hope you'll join us then. Till then, God bless. Thanks for listening to today's episode. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast. And for more information and more prayer points for persecuted Christians around the world, you can follow us on social media at Open Doors Canada or visit our website, opendoorscanada.org forward slash pray. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week.